I would even say don't look at your unsubscribes. Don't worry about your open and click-through rate for a while if you're just getting started. Or even if you're like shifting your strategy, just just do it. Just do the work for a few months, three months, six months, whatever, and then go back and look at the data and look at the engagement and see how it differed. But if you like zoom in on each of those stats with every email, you're going to drive yourself batty. And then you're going to want to like pivot and shift and everything. And it's what if you just did something consistently for a while and then see how it performs? Well, hello, and welcome to season two of the Simple and Smart SEO Show. The podcast for solopreneurs, service providers, and e-commerce sellers who want to learn the basics of SEO in all the places it shows up. I'm Crystal Waddell. I help Shopify store owners go from feeling like an SEO zero to your very own SEO hero in just one day using AI, UX, and other tech ninja moves. And I'm Brittany Herzberg, SEO and case study copywriter, helping service pros increase sales without being on 24-7, using the power of SEO, story, and social proof. Join us. We're just a couple of business besties who love learning and sharing what we've learned as we show you how simple and smart SEO can be. So what are we waiting for? Let's jump in. Welcome back to the Simple and Smart SEO Show. We are hyped up over here because we've been chit-chatting before we started recording. We've got Allie Grummert here with Crystal and I to talk all things email and SEO. And it's going to be, I can tell, it's going to be like a really fun conversation. Hi, ladies. Hello. Hello. I love this. We have not talked about email. Like of all the things we were just saying before we jumped on, like we have not talked about email which is funny, but it also makes sense because we're so focused on here's how you get traffic to your website. And then it's, oh yeah, what do you do once you get them there? So Ali, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are, how you help people in the world and why we're here today? Yeah. So like you guys said, I'm Ali Grummert. I own a company called Duet, and I'm an email marketing strategist and conversion copywriter. So my goal and my emphasis over the last four plus years of my business has been building out welcome and nurture sequences for bloggers and content creators as a way to be able to introduce them to your wonderful content, how it helps them, and ultimately driving traffic back to your website and engaging readers and keeping them engaged in your community for the long haul. I love it. So before we jump in, really? Shot in to all of what we're going to be talking about. I am not great with the words today, so I think I'm going to let Crystal do the talking. But one thing that I like to ask our guests is, how do you describe SEO? Or when you're talking about it with clients, if that ever happens, what do you say? How do you share it in a very simple way? Yeah, so it's interesting because a lot of my clients are career bloggers. So SEO is their other language. And if anything, that's where they're spending a lot of their time. But SEO is how you attract the people who are looking for the content you already have so that they can find your content. And then our goal is to say, okay, now that they're on your site, how do we keep them coming back to your site as an individual, not just this person that they found on Google? Mm -hmm. I really like that you have that emphasis on bringing people back to your website because I think just you saying that, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course we want them to come back to it. And I don't know why I keep having that like thought play in my head, but I don't think a whole lot of people really talk about it in in that way of we want them coming back. We want them revisiting. We want them interacting with you. And one thing I had Crystal do before we started recording was go to Allie's website. So if you're driving, don't do this, but please go back at a later time to Allie's website. She's got some fun hidden Easter eggs and it's just a really cool interactive site. I don't know if you want to point out something specific that people can do or <laughs> Yeah, that was the thing with SEO is that you can show up on like higher pages and I want people to like land on my site and be like, oh, this person 
behind this content is somebody that I want to learn from. In my case, because I teach about email marketing and I do email marketing all the time. So I want them to feel comfortable and that I'm helpful and generous and that they know how to connect and stay connected uh, with me, whether it's like a free event or hiring me for services. But yeah, like with my food blogging clients, if you imagine like how many recipes are there on lasagna? Mm -hmm. And you work so hard to get on that first page of Google. What does it actually look like for you to, yeah, differentiate yourself in the eyes of the reader beyond just giving them a recipe and having them leave your site? Yeah. And just to tie this into, I don't know if I mentioned this yet, but I was first introduced to Allie. I think there's a friend of a friend. I'm honestly not you sure what I do remember. And I will make sure we link to this episode uh, where I was talking about rewriting my site earlier this year. I remember Allie's site was one of the sites that I had pulled up. There were like 10 sites I had in this one bar, largely for inspiration because I liked your site. It was so interactive. Everything you just said, like it was warm, it was welcoming, it was inviting. It was like playful and fun and all the things that I want to be. And so I'm, I had all these sites open and I was like channeling. I was like, all right, how can I bring this in and have my site represent me in such an awesome way? Copywriters, we totally do this. We go to each other for sources of inspiration. And I remember reaching out to Allie and I was like, please don't hate me. Please don't hate me. But I looked at your site and I was using it for inspiration and I really loved it. Oh, but that's like such a, that was such an honor for me too, because my site is new. I just released it like six or so months ago. And so I was like, yes, I'm glad that it has this kind of impact where people are like noticing it. But yeah, my old site, I had the same website though for four and a half years. And yeah, from the get-go, I built it myself in Squarespace slowly over time and just had this realization a year ago that was like, I think I mentioned bloggers twice, like on the whole website. I'm like, I don't think this is doing anything. Like even if people land here and they are bloggers, they won't know that my content is for them. So that's where I was like, okay, something needs to change. And I hired a wonderful website designer and then her sister actually helped me organize all the copy. I am a copywriter, but somebody else is actually the expert on like how to lay out a website. So it actually makes the most sense and it's compelling. And so we were able to really collaborate on that. Yeah, I couldn't nerd out on that B for sure. Cause yeah. I had a bunch of research. Like I knew what my clients come asking me for. I know what their big questions are. I know what their big results are. And so then it was a matter of tying that all in and using their language. And so beautifully done. Thank okay. You. So I've been um, searching for something that my friend Andrew said, and because he's like a big SEO and um, PR guy, but he said that SEO should aim to be found through search once and be searched for twice. And so just to go back to that thing that you were saying, Brittany, about like people coming back and Ali, how you're talking about bringing people back. And I just thought that was so interesting because it's like, yeah, you want them like to find you and then remember you and then continue to search for you. Totally. Yeah. yeah. You work with bloggers and I work with e-commerce sellers and B works with service providers, but SEO and blogging and bringing people to their website as bloggers is a little bit different than e-commerce. And I was wondering, I know that's not what you do, but I was wondering if you could share a little insight about that just because you've worked with these people for so long. With bloggers, they are career content creators. That's what they're doing. The e-commerce site is creating products and getting that in front of people or SaaS is providing some sort of digital service. And service providers like me, I do have a blog, but my blog is not the foundation of the revenue of my business. With bloggers, they make money from largely digital advertising and they have to hit a certain minimum of page views every month in order to qualify for one of the ad networks. So if you've ever heard of Mediavine or 
Thrive, which is now called Raptive, those are the big ad networks, but you have to be hitting like 50,000 page views a month organically or however you get there. But most of that would be organic search traffic um, or Pinterest or who knows how you're getting them to your site. But that's how you even qualify. A lot of bloggers up until that point are actually making no money. <laughs> so that's like the that's the threshold. If you can get to this point, then you can be making money um, through display ads. And while that's a really core fundamental part of blogging as a career, it's not the only way to make money either. So I've got clients who have a membership or they have a course or they um, have a product. But in the work that I do with them, primarily, it's building that brand loyalty and site traffic so that when they do want to launch something, the people on their list actually know who they are. Mm -hmm. Something else, too, is um, affiliate marketing. I'm sure you've got people that do that. Yep. So a lot of affiliate marketing is largely done through the blog mm -hmm. itself. You, Amazon, you can't actually link to an affiliate link from email. That's part of their terms and conditions. So it is. It's still like sending people back to those blog posts that have the links that will link them to Amazon. You can link to your store for it. You just can't link to specific items. But that's not the only affiliate program, too. So if you have, you know, sponsored content, you could include sending out emails as part of the sponsored content package. So in addition to writing a blog post using this special oat flour or flavoring or storage containers, whatever that the brand is paying for, you can also send out an email promotion. Same with an affiliate partnership. If you're like, I really want to hype up this particular product a few times to my list, you're not getting paid directly from the company as an advertiser, but you are making revenue then as an affiliate by promoting it in the people on your list, buying through the affiliate partner. Thank you so much for sharing that because I feel like SEO has different roles that it plays for different types of businesses. And I think it's really important to understand that because then it's easier to understand why some changes or updates, Google updates and that type of thing affect certain businesses or bloggers or whatever more than others. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Oh, yeah, I would say my clients um, have come to me saying I've lost half my traffic because Google made an update. And so like their entire, not entire, but a large part of the revenue source, which is that the display ads that they only get paid for if people look at them has dipped significantly or they've lost half their page views. So that can be really scary. Yeah. So I'm just trying to ride that wave with them. But that's also where I'm hoping we all can come in and be a, a safe harbor as well, in addition to seasons like that. So I'm really excited to hear about that. I wanted to just make one comment about the Amazon yeah. affiliate program, because I took a course about blogging for revenue and wrote mm -hmm. that because I thought, you know what, I want to marry those two things. I want to marry my e-commerce store and I want to marry blogging for profit. So I was like, okay, I can do this. And so with the tools that I had, Surfer SEO, I always talk about it. That was a big part of it. But the other part of it was I was trying to position myself as an Amazon affiliate for popular products. It just was like a natural thing until I got kicked out of the Amazon affiliates program. What? With no explanation. 
but they won't talk to you. They won't say, this is why you got kicked out. It's just you violated the terms of service or whatever. So I just want to give that warning to people. <laughs> Unless you really understand the rules, don't necessarily build your business on affiliate hope mm-hmm. because then you're going to have to go back and undo all of the linking that you did before. So that was just like my it's on affiliate story. That is sad. I started, I, it's funny because I started the Amazon affiliate thing and Daniel has like another link like under mine because we share our Amazon account. <laughs> I started out by being the one bringing in a lot of money from the Amazon affiliates. I, because a lot of it was my massage clients. They would get massage cups or whatever else that I had recommended for their at-home care. Daniel has put affiliate links in his blogs and now he's the one that's like bringing in all of the money. So it's funny because I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. And now I'm getting more on the blogging game and being really intentional about, okay, where do I want to direct this traffic? Where can I insert affiliate links? Things like that. Mm-hmm. But okay, so we bring in traffic through our blogs. Let's just stay with that. And then how are you, what are you seeing with your clients with how they're getting people on their email list? Do you have any tips there or any in- insights from what they've done? Yeah. So there's a variety of things. I actually have a whole blog post on this as far as I like you can share your freebies. But yeah, part of it is having something. I don't know if you've heard this, but people aren't just going to be like, yeah, I can't wait to give you my email. Please email me more. <laughs> it's like, how do I, how do we give them something in return? Give them something valuable in return for their email address. So that could look like a freebie. Like I have a handful of freebies on my website. Like I've got a video tutorial and I've got like a few PDFs and. So for my clients, I do have a couple. They've just had really good success with saying, just join my newsletter for recipes hitting your inbox every week or whatever. But in a lot of cases, that's not really sufficient. And so having something like a checklist or some sort of yeah tutorial guide, like I have a client who does like a knife tutorial because she's a cooking blog. Or, yeah, it would be cooking, not baking. <laughs> baking blogs <laughs> might be more like a checklist or something like that for a pantry checklist. I'm trying to think of what else, like even six ways you can monetize your site if you have another type of business and having people opt in for that. Another could be like an email course, like a five-day drip, dripped out course that teaches or just shares links to content that you already have, um, but it gets people really familiar with your content early on. And then you can, yeah, then that's one way they can find your list. I really like that. You mentioned you yeah. have people who don't always have the most success with just hey, get on my newsletter and, yeah. and they join. There was a summit that I recently went through as like a, an attendee, I guess. Um, it was by Sophia Para, and it was all about these different um, ways to like market, right? To content marketing, that kind of thing, social media marketing even. And one person was talking about actually naming your newsletter. And okay, so I'll share the the idea that I had for mine it was like, Oh, wait, where was it? No, I lost it. Anyway, the point was, if you name it, I'm really on the ball today. If you name it, it's like getting people to join a group. Mm-hmm. And so that is exciting because what we have found and what this person was saying we have found is that someone will want the freebie, get the freebie, get on your list, leave. Right. Because we haven't really, I'm going to say this phrase, but I don't just, there's a grain of salt here. We haven't really sold them on the idea of sticking around for the emails. But mm-hmm. if you're like, hey, come in this like really super cool club that we've got going on where you're going to learn about duh, then it's like almost more intriguing for them to stick around for those emails, for the information and to really engage with you. That reminds me of Susan Riott because she has yeah. the email 
newsletter called the UX Factor, which is pretty cool. It's also like that kind of on LinkedIn, how LinkedIn has those newsletters. And so to me, it seemed like they took that idea, that concept and gave people a platform to use it. So I'm just wondering, what do you think about that? Like sending, can you send the same newsletter, same email out to your list that you would post on like a newsletter on LinkedIn? Oh, absolutely. You might as well because you have two different audiences there. Yeah. Repurpose the heck out of everything, please. As like when I started, I was sending out emails once a week. And then after about six months, I decided to open up the blog portion of my itty bitty little Squarespace website that I made myself. And just started repurposing all of the older content that, like, I look back on it and this is weak. This is weak. (laughs) They're not good blog posts. But I have to remember, like, they helped people in 2019. They will help people now. I can always go back and update them. But yeah, repurposing the content even to your blog. Like, I'm a service provider creating this content. And that's the kind of path I go where, like, usually bloggers will create the blog content, then send it out in an email or send out portions of it in the email and drive traffic back to that post. I love that. So how do you set goals for your emails? Like when you send an email, like what are your expectations of that email? That's a great question. So it depends on kind of the sequence of where you're at in business. So when you're first getting started, it's like consistency. I think even when you're beyond getting started, it's I'm sending an email. I'm communicating what value I have with the world. I often, my soapbox is it's not fair to you to go create all this wonderful content and then have no eyeballs on it. And it's not for your subscribers who've said, I want to see the content and you're not sending it out. So at the very least, be sharing the content you're creating. And then from there, I would even say, don't look at your unsubscribes. Don't worry about your open and click-through rate for a while if you're just getting started. Or even if you're like shifting your strategy, just, just do it. Just do the work for a few months, three months, six months, whatever, and then go back and look at the data and look at the engagement and see how it differed. But if you like zoom in on each of those stats, with every email, you're going to drive yourself batty. I could and then you're going to want to like pivot and shift and everything. And it's, what if you just did something consistently for a while and then see how it performs? Yeah. I've been having this conversation a lot with my boyfriend, Daniel, because he's got an email list. He's got his own business. I've got my email list, my business. And just yet, yesterday, a couple of days ago, he sent out an email and he's, I got seven unsubscribes. And it was like an email where I was selling things. And I was like, okay, let's look at this. How frequently are you emailing them? What are you talking about? Do we even think that the right people are on your email list? So I am curious because Dan has one strategy to grow his email list. I've got different strategies to grow my email list. Do you think that, what are your thoughts with strategies with growing your email list with, for example, being on Pinterest or doing email list swaps or being part of bundles or summits? What are some of your like hot takes on that? (laughs) I would say like my biggest hot take especially when it comes to like you sending out emails is making sure that you are sending out consistent content, like the topics themselves are consistent. So if Daniel is sending out content and selling something that's aligned with why people join the list, there is nothing to be ashamed of. And so like people might unsubscribe because they're just tired of getting some emails. They're cleaning out their inbox. Maybe they don't need that product. Maybe they're beyond the scope of the kind of content that you're teaching on or sharing about. But if people are unsubscribing because your content is all over the place, like that's something you can fix. So if you have offered to people like, this is what you're going to get on my email list and these are types of topics, stay in that zone, stay in that lane. It can feel like you are a broken record. Guys, I've been writing about email marketing welcome sequences 
since 2019. <laughs> and so it can feel like a broken record. However, the more niche you are, the more like in depth you can get and you can still have a lot of fun with it. But I think that in our world of this isn't working, so I'm going to try this, I'm going to try this. It's okay, but what have you promised to your list? And if you are going to make a pivot, like I'm going from email copywriting to now being an SEO strategist, tell them and give them the opportunity to unsubscribe and then stay consistent with talking about your new market and the new kind of content you want to share about. So that's one way. But you mentioned strategies. So lots of different, yeah, however you bring people in, just making sure it's really consistent with what you plan to send them. But you don't want like a, cheat sheet on keto but then what you've shifted to is like all baked goods or something <laughs> like <laughs> shifted get rid of those freebies make sure everybody knows what you're talking about now you don't have to create a freebie for every different type of whim that you come across if you can create this is why they call it a lead magnet the idea used to be that you just have one key lead magnet so like no matter how people come in from your website like they will benefit from this one resource and then we have a variety of different opt-ins. So you might get a little bit more specific with different types of recipes or different parts of email marketing. So like I have an entire resource just on segmentation. So that's not beneficial to everyone because it's a little bit more advanced to segment your list and how to do that. But I have the freebie, Your First Welcome Sequence, that in most cases is a little bit more broad and can help most people. And that's the one I'm most likely going to share in like a pop-up or a YouTube video or a podcast episode. But yeah, like as far as like how you get people on your list, there are tons of different strategies. I would just see what actually works and generates the most. But as far as making sure that you're getting the right people, making sure those freebies are on point and aligned with your overall vision for content and how you want to serve your community. I like that point because I've gotten to the point where I feel a little bit repetitive talking about like the SEO basics checklist, but people love it. So yeah. it's its job. And I think my next step just taking this opportunity to think through what can I do to make it even better is to update the welcome sequence. It's been really strong for two years, but my offers have shifted a little bit. What I want to talk about with email has shifted a little bit. Places I can direct them have shifted too. So I, I like being able to ideate while you're talking. Yeah. Like with updating your welcome sequence too, I went back and just looked at mine, especially when I started using the ConvertKit creator network. I was like, oh, I would have a bunch of people joining my list who don't know me from a podcast, who don't know me from a summit. So how do I, I want to go in and look at my welcome sequence through that lens and be like, does this still make sense? Am I building too much? Am I pretending there's too much familiarity too soon? Because a lot of the people who are joining my list, I knew where they came from. And now I'm like, oh, I have no idea who you are <laughs> or how you found me. And so how do I like tweak that? So my encouragement to you is that you don't have to like just scratch it entirely. Just go back and look at it with a new lens. Might mean adding in an email or replacing a paragraph or changing the call to action, but you don't have to scrap the whole thing. Thank you. And I say one more thing too about when people are joining your list, this is an often overlooked part of the process. So you mentioned like even just like naming your newsletter and joining a community and like building that rapport. I think you can even do that sooner. Like I don't have a name for my newsletter, which is surprising because I like alliteration. You'd think mm -hmm. I'd have something by now, but I didn't want to force it. So it's just like, this is. You get emails from me, period. I don't even call it a newsletter. <laughs> You'll get emails. I educate, I encourage, like all those things, but I don't have a name for it. But there's this in-between part from when people join your email list, they put in their email. What happens when they click subscribe? Do they get that little note that thanks for subscribing, check your inbox? Probably, but I recommend actually redirecting it to a welcome page. And that welcome page is an ex is like basically your whole brand ex being explained in 30 seconds to a minute. 
So like I have a video on my welcome page. If you opt in, it's like happy smiley alley. And then this is me in my dining room slash office. And I'm just saying, I'm so glad you're here. This is what you can expect. So I am hitting them even before they go get their freebie. Like they have seen my face, they've heard my voice, and they know what they're going to get out of being on my email list. And then in the email where you're giving away the freebie, restate them. This is the part where, okay, who am I in this person's life and why do they need to know that I can be resourceful, that they should open my emails? So you could call it your unique selling proposition, if you will. I went to school for advertising. That's what we called it because we big nerds. But it's like, it's your differentiating factor and how you're going to solve the problem for them. So I, yeah. So like with, when email feels super overwhelming, I hope that you find comfort here and a way to learn more about using email to get your message out. Like whatever that is, I can say that and then they can click to subscribe knowing this is the community that they're joining. So I feel like there's just one opportunity there that's like often just like boilerplate. Thanks for subscribing. Click here to confirm. What can we actually do to reinforce our brand? I like the idea of having that page though, because that simplifies it. I always, people think I'm smart with tech and I'm like just efficient enough with it. I'm actually quite dangerous with it. So don't trust me with it. But having that one page to redirect them to, because I know where that link goes in the back end of Squarespace and I can picture it right now. And I'm like, oh, duh. So -hmm. thank you. Yeah, that's a great idea. Now, the website or the email service provider that I use is Clavio. Mm-hmm. And so you talked a little bit about Segment. And I'm just like, I love Clavio sends you through the Segment training like immediately. Create these segments. And so I love that because there's so many automations that are running on my behalf. So mm-hmm. I feel like, oh, I've accomplished something because there's yeah. so many segments and automations or whatever. But one of the clients that I worked with recently, we were talking about a welcome series for her because they're setting up her Clavio. And she was like, I don't like welcome series. And I was like, yeah, hot take. Right. But I don't either. I don't either. But from an e-commerce perspective, it's a lot of times because our lead magnet, if you will, is usually like a coupon mm-hmm. or something. You know what I mean? And who was I talking to recently? Or no, we were talking to Rachel. She was on the podcast recently, Rachel Spiewak, and she was like, people want what they want and then they leave. Like they want what they're looking for. And then as soon as they get it, then they're going to get the thing and they're moving on or whatever. That's how it is in e-commerce. So it's like, how do you build the relationship past the, just the transaction? Because mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest challenge in e-commerce is where's my coupon? Did they send me a coupon? You know what I mean? How am I going to save money? Like how can you provide value? to your e-commerce customers that's not just, hey, here's a percentage off. Do you have any ideas? I'm going to take it back to you. Have you found, what have you seen as good examples that you feel like align with that? I've got a couple. I've got Native, for instance, is one that we could talk about, but I'm curious what comes to mind for you. Have you ever felt connected to a brand in a way that wasn't just coupons and just wasn't I can give you an example of what I've done for my own e-commerce business. Part of it was connected to blogging and the fact that I am owning senior night as a keyword on Google. And so it's okay. What around senior night do people need to know? You know, and so when I create my content calendar, I always do it annually. People are like, oh my gosh, what? But yes, I do it annually because I'm an e-commerce seller. I know what seasons are coming up so I can figure that out. And then I break it down by quarters and then months. And it's okay, are we in basketball season, we're in football season, or in softball season, whatever. And I line my emails 
ideally they're written. Do they get sent all the time? But the plan is there to say, hey, if you have a softball senior night or a spring senior night coming up, here are some resources on what you might want to think about. Like I did this whole series with a friend, Carrie Higgy, about what to wear on senior night to give moms ideas because my whole thing is I love moms. Let's celebrate the moms because you're the one that did all the work, taking up all those practices and tournaments and giving up your life for 15 years. So that's the approach that I take with mine. It's different with everybody else. And it's just, I try to meet them in the season that they're at, Mm -hmm. but not all products are so emotionally based. So yeah. So Beth, what do you say? Yeah. I don't know. Have you ever ordered anything from Native, the deodorant company? I know no. that I know the company, but I haven't worked. Right. No, no, well, it doesn't no. work for me. For okay. the record, the product itself. My friends were like, "Okay, so that might have worked during the pandemic when you weren't around people, but you stinked a little and you did different." So I was like, "Cool, cool, cool." But so it didn't work for me. But the product was super cool. So when you order it and you place an order, you get an email, and it's they've just gone above and beyond, like over the top, like what is one? It's just basically like cheering you on, like you are awesome. And another one, the one I'm trying to think of what it is. It's like when it's being delivered or it's been delivered. No, it's what has been ordered. They're like, we are preparing a package with your name on it. And it's going to be delivered by the royal like mail service and make you feel like a princess or royalty. And so they definitely played up on that. And I'm like, oh, that's that's a fun brand angle. I even think of SaaS companies. You're like, I've hired you to do this one thing. I don't need all your emails. The Buffer always did a good job. Like one of their initial emails is just, hey, like a GIF of their team waving, like from a retreat or whatever. It's just like, hey, just so you know, we're here to support you. You can reply back at any time to this email. So it doesn't have to be like what I'm creating. My blogging client is a lot more like story-based and also solution-based. So we, you come, you subscriber have come looking for this. You are, it's, yeah, this is what we provide. So you are in the right place. Keep clicking. We're going to send you some of our top content soon. Or tomorrow, I'm going to send over my top five recipes on the whole blog. So we're synthesizing hundreds of, if not thousands of blog posts to make it easy for them to enjoy this creator stuff and make sure that they're getting the best content. But when it comes to like e-com, what does it look like just to have a couple welcome emails to, you know, just to establish the brand and to say, hey, I'm so glad you're here. This is what we can do for you. So like you can give them their freebie or whatnot. But something to keep in mind is like still, what is your unique selling proposition? I don't know if you're familiar with jobs to be done. So it's like, what is the job of this e-commerce site? And how do we make sure that's somehow communicated in every email? So even if it is is seasonal, it's like making a note of, what would you say? Do you have a a job for your e-com company? Yes. The job is to celebrate moms. What? Yes. Oh my goodness. So if you had that tone or that message in every one of your emails, maybe it's like in the PS, hey mom, just want to remind you, you are doing great. And just, or we hope that you forward this on to a friend who's also doing a great job. So what does it look like to keep that alive between emails? It's not just your welcome sequence. It's part of your whole brand. I like that. I also want to say that there are some, I like coffee companies in case we don't know this and Death Wish Coffee. They have the best messaging and branding. I really like them. Made Coffee does a really good job. Death Wish, you get on their text list and somehow that's also part of the email subscription thing. Mm-hmm. And they just have the most, they just make me smile. Like they're so sassy and they're so like, I mean, they're playing up very much on you like something punchy. 
here's some copy and messaging that's really punchy. Like you want your coffee to be really punchy. It's just so fun. So like I was trying to think of an e-commerce brand that I liked and that's definitely one where they've got their brand voice in everything that comes out. And it just builds that consistency in the the audience's mind. They know how to associate you. Like, why would you buy from this e-com, Crystal's e-com company versus someone else's? It's all because she makes me feel happy. And I like her. I have a, Clay is an e-com company. Her welcome sequence, part of it is just introducing herself. Hey, I'm a small business owner. This is a picture of me with my family. We started this because I wanted to be able to create more flexibility with my family. I'm so glad you're here. These are some of the things you can expect. Fast response time and quick delivery and custom quality goods or whatever. And just reinforce why they are even on your site. Like, yeah. And who the person is behind it. Okay. Not to toot my own horn, but toot too. Okay. <laughs> because the SEO game is so strong over here. A lot of times the first time I'm interacting with somebody is that first sale. Mm-hmm. And so it reminds me of B and um, who was it that came on here talking about HoneyBook? Was that Dahlia? Dahlia. Yeah. Yeah. So when they were talking about this, because I'm always trying to pick up these email tips, like how can I apply it to e-commerce and how can you apply it when you're, you don't have like a freebie? That's the other issue I just realized is, okay, the problem isn't that they didn't want to download the freebie. The problem is they bought a product and now I want to continue to build a relationship with them. I started using HoneyBook as an email service provider because we were talking about touch points. And so, like you said, I don't have the Royal Mail service, but I did set up an automation where it's like, hey, I just want to let you know your 25 photos have landed safely with us. And this is what you can expect. I made a video where it's like, hey, just in case you wonder who I am, here I am. So I did all of those things, but it's not like in a welcome sequence. It's in a post-purchase sense. I think that's, it's still doing the same thing. Like you're welcome. Think about the new subscriber journey and then there just might be different entry points. So people are coming in through a freebie, that could be more of a generic welcome versus, yeah, if they purchase something, what does it look like? Like with my e-com clients that I've worked with, it's, yay, congratulations, here's the thing, or like what you just talked about as a really great welcome email. And then we could send out, if we've sent out another one that's, hey, have you, has your friend gotten their gift yet? If so, we would love to see it. Like you can share it on Instagram and let us know. And we'll ask them as the gift giver, because it's a gift website. As a gift giver, like, how are you, like, how do you feel? How does it feel to know that you're like delighting your friend? And if they've said anything great, we want to know too, but we're championing them as the person who like saw something delightful and bought it for a friend. And that's why the site exists. That is so cool. I love it. You mentioned early on and possibly even as we have our email list, not paying so much attention to like click through rates and open rates. However, Is there a good, we like stats, so is there anything that someone could just, what would someone want to see in order to be like, good job, me, and just give themselves a pat on the back? Yeah. Oh, great question. I think part of it is knowing the purpose of each email. Some emails don't have clicks. Like you don't, like the click rate. I have one, my very first email, my welcome sequence has an open rate of 75% and a click rate of zero. (laughs) So like knowing in that email, I'm not asking them to click on anything. I'm just like, Reply back. And I get plenty of replies, but there's no stats tracking that. I don't have a stat in spreadsheet. I ain't got time for that. I just reply back to all the emails and say, thank you. And I'll sometimes redirect them to some resources. They're like, my biggest question is this. And so then I reply back to the email and I'm like, here are a couple blog posts you can check out in the meantime. So yeah, like a good click-through rate is anywhere from 2 to 3%, according to MailChimp. 
four to seven percent according to ConvertKit for like their average across users. Yes. And then open rate. Because I, I do want to toot my own horn and then oh, Crystal yeah. just got really excited. So we have I to look at the open rate. Uh, I'd say anything over 40% is really good. It depends too. Like your welcome sequence is the first time they're opening and hearing from you. So those emails should be higher. And yeah, because we they're never more interested in you than when they're right on your website about to join your list. So how do you capture that? And that's where the welcome email or the purchase follow-up email is really helpful. Yeah, I have a pretty consistent open rate of it usually hovers around like 50, 51 percent. So I'm like, OK, great. have to go to you because you're yeah, like, so sure. yeah, OK, so here's my other beef with welcome series and emails. OK, it's because if you ever reply to an email and you get an autoresponder, I'm like, to me, that is the ultimate. Gosh, what do you even call that? Oh, Paul or something. I just don't like it. I don't love it. Yeah, I don't love it at all. Like to me, that really depersonalized email for me in general, because it was just done so bad. You don't send a thoughtful email that someone would reply to and then not at least have a human reply to it. Like the auto response to someone's thoughtful response to your thoughtful email to me is big no. And so I just hear what you thought about that. I have clients who they're really busy. And they don't mm-hmm. want to reply back to emails. So we don't include an email for their, for their subscribers to reply back to. Because I'm like, do you want all those emails? If you don't, then we'll engage them in another way. Like click here to learn more about this or this and we'll send you more. We can use it as a segmentation opportunity. But you can be honest. If you're like, I don't have the time to actually thoughtfully reply back to these people, then don't include a question. I have somebody who works on my team like here and there doing content and SEO blog posts. And she's, she wants to do a blog post about how I reply to all my emails. You know, like, I don't know if that's like necessary to tell people, but in her mind, she's like, Ali, do you know how rare it is that people actually reply back to emails thoughtfully? Yeah. And then it's the inside of my inbox that nobody sees, like that I am slowly building these relationships with people and hoping to shorten the learning curve. If they're like, I have this specific question, I'm like, great, I have a blog post on that. You're all going to get that blog post in my evergreen nurture sequence in about six months. But I'm just going to, instead of saying that, I'm like, here's the resource. I want to answer that right away. And the question that I asked them is basically, what's your biggest hang up? What are you struggling with when it comes to email? Um, and then I'm able to solve that for them right away. Yeah. And that's, you bring up a really good point because people are constantly shocked that I do something similar and I'm, I'm pretty on it with messages and people are constantly shocked. Like, oh my gosh, thank you for getting back to me so quickly. And it may have even been like 24 to 36 hours. I'm like, it's not that hard to Crystal's point, just to, even if it's one or two lines or even just, Hey, I got this. I'm sending this to you right now. I will give you a more thoughtful response, but I see that you need this urgently. So boom, here you go. And just one more thought on that. It can get overwhelming to try and be available all the time or whatever. Like my chat bot on the, our e-commerce store, I'm able to have a response that says, Hey, look, this is Crystal's chat bot. (laughs) Just so you don't have the expectation that this is me, but this is Crystal's chatbot. Thank you so much for being here. She'll be back between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. tomorrow. And so that's when you can expect an answer to your question. But please feel free to go ahead and ask any questions that you might have and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. I just think that just a little bit of explanation makes all the difference to the person on the other side because then they don't feel like they're getting tricked into talking to a person that's actually a machine. Or they just, they understand what's going to happen next. And did you know that when people reply back to your marketing emails, it actually helps with deliverability? Mm -hmm. So it tells the spam bots, this person's real. (laughs) Yeah. 
So that's helpful. That's not necessarily that might have been initially why I did it. I also do it a little bit for just like audience research. What are your biggest questions when you first yeah. come to my site? Have I ever done anything to like organize and systemize those questions and answers? Like, no. But I just, yeah, I think I've also been doing it long enough. I just inherently know what their questions are. But I'm always um, big on audience research. So you can take that as an opportunity, especially when I first started my email list. Like, I needed people to reply. I needed content ideas. I needed yeah. to know that. And so like the one person, like my list was, oh my gosh, below 500 for the longest time because I wasn't building an email list. I was building an online service-based business. So my email marketing was just part of that. But now I've now that I have a team helping me execute on client work, I can focus a little bit more on what I email my list and how I promote them. Uh, but yeah, I've always made it a point to always reply back to the people on your list. Yeah, I think that's huge. This is something like, very randomly inserted, but I wanted to take the opportunity to say this because I'm always thinking like, how does this tie into SEO or what platform is this and how do people use it like SEO research? Recently, like a couple months ago, I was like email SEO. And then I found myself going into, I use Gmail. So I found myself going into the search bar and trying to find a person's name or a resource. I don't remember the exact example, but I started to realize that I did that a lot. So with you talking about, oh, yeah, you're staying top of mind. People know you for blank. You're constantly like, Crystal, you're constantly like telling moms, good job. Yeah, you, this is amazing. Having that messaging really be consistent throughout those emails helps people more easily find you even within their own kind of like internal search yes. engine. Has, has anyone else ever thought about that? Because I was like, I'm a genius. This is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Brand, it's like how you are branding gets a bad rap, if you will. Mm -hmm. Having, I don't know, you don't have to be Nike. You can just be yourself, but having some sort of consistent messaging and just how you show up too. It's not even necessarily always words. Like people have told me that they keep my emails saved in their inbox. They're like, I'm going to come back and I'm going to do everything you've ever told me. I do that with people. Yeah. And so I'm like, that to me is a huge compliment. But like when I survey my list every year, some of the things I hear that are like, you're really generous. Like you really share a lot. Like you make me feel like I can actually do email. Like those to me are some of the takeaways, if you will, that, yeah, that's part of being Allie. Not just, oh, I, it is like I, my brand isn't just how I help you. It's how I'm choosing to do, go about helping you. So like I include GIFs, like email can be really complex. It can make people feel stupid. If I'm here to show you like, it's approachable. Your message matters. It doesn't have to be fancy. Go send the email. And if you want to, and when you get to a point where you can do something more advanced, you can't. But like, how do, yeah, the way that I present that content to them is this is doable. I'm not some, oh, the old SEO bros that are like, yeah. you have to pay me every cent of my thought time thinking about your project. Like, I'm not yes. nickel and diming you. Like, yeah, what does it look like to be a generous content giver and teacher? And knowing that's part of my brand as well. Yeah. Oh, I feel like Crystal and I do that too, because it's just, yeah. All right. This has been jam-packed. I know we have to go like live life and build businesses and help people and things. Where can people find you, Allie? Yeah. So if you go to duet.co, so D-U-E-T dot C-O slash S-E-O show, you will find ways to connect with me um, and free resources to dig into. I love that. I like that we have a little branded like URLs yeah, over there. <laughs> yeah, you do. Thank you, Allie. This was awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this info, subscribe before you go. So you never miss out on something related to SEO. <laughs> See you next time.
Hey guys, this is Crystal, one of your co-hosts from the Simple and Smart SEO Show podcast. If you're looking for a unique, handcrafted way to spruce up your home or office, then collageandwood.com is the perfect place for you. We are a small, woman-owned business that offers a range of beautiful wooden signs for your home or office. Our talented team of artists will work with you to create a sign that perfectly suits your needs. So why wait? Use promo code SIMPLE10 to save 10%. Visit collageandwood.com today. Save 10% with promo code SIMPLE10. That's collageandwood.com.